Hello, and welcome to the Questions and Answers podcast with Dean Carmichael, Jr., a podcast dedicated to widely dividing the word of truth. And now your host, Dean Carmichael, Jr. All right, so welcome to Questions and Answers. This is your host, Dean Carmichael. I'm here again with our our recurring guest on this program, Dr. Brandon DuPont. Uh, Dr. DuPont, it's great to have you back on the program with us, sir. As always, I appreciate it. It's always a privilege to be here. And, and we've been going through the book of Revelation. We're trying to cover all those common questions uh, that are asked about the, the last uh, book of the Bible, the only prophetic book in New Testament. And we have been going through the seven characters, if, if you will, in the book of Revelation, the seven uh, personalities, personages there. And so last episode, we were talking about the, uh, the dragon, I believe. We've also covered the woman. And so far, we're in chapter 12, and there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet and upon her head a crown of 12 stars, and she being with child cried, travailing in birth, in pain to be delivered. So who is that? We talked about how that woman represents the nation Israel, how Israel is compared constantly to a woman in the Old Testament, a widowed, adulterous wife. The church is not. Dr. DuPont and myself talked about how some folks try to say that this might be the church, uh, we talked about how the church is the virgin bride of Christ and how the woman is being described as with child and travailing to bring forth. Uh, that does not support this being the church. This is Israel. And it was prophesied that Christ would come from Israel. And you can go back and listen to that episode if you have not heard it. And also there's another great wonder in heaven. Um, there with the great red dragon. We believe that is very clear. The scripture is very clear who that is. That's Satan, a great, talking about his immense power, red, his, his lack of care for human life, his viciousness, which would be the word dragon. And we talked about just the different things about him, about the 10 horns and the seven crowns, about the revived Roman Empire that'll be under his rule during the Great Tribulation. And so you have the woman and the child. And this dragon, Satan, hates this child uh, very much. And the Bible tells us in Genesis 3.15, And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed, and it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. And... The question here, um, we're in Revelation chapter 12 and verse number five, and she brought forth a man child who was to rule all nations with the rod of iron, and her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. So now we're coming up on the third personality here. So the question is, who is the man child that is to rule the nations with a rod of iron? And the answer to that simply is, this is the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible does tell us in, in Psalms chapter number two, um, and, and this is a messianic psalm. This is talking about the Lord Jesus. And um, it, it says here in Psalms chapter number two, why do the heathen range and the people imagine a vain thing? 
The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. Then shall he speak unto them in his wrath and vex them in his sore displeasure. Yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree the Lord hath said unto me, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. Ask of me, and I shall give thee heathen for thine inheritance, in the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron. Thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Be wise now, therefore, O ye kings, be instructed, ye judges of the earth. So when Jesus Christ comes back the second time, it will be to judge. It will be a theocracy. He's not going to come like he did the first time. So many people today want peace, but they want it on their terms. You know, there's that joke, we want peace. Now do what we tell you or else. Well, let me tell you, when Jesus Christ comes back, he will literally break this world with the rod of iron. And as you've heard me say before, uh, I hold the stance that the, the day of the Lord that's the second coming of Jesus Christ. And the reason I hold that is because I believe that scripture clearly teaches that. The day of Christ is referring to the rapture of the church. The day of the Lord is referring to the second coming. That is at the battle of Armageddon where Jesus Christ makes his, his return to defeat the nations and he will set up his millennial reign. Now, during the millennial reign, he'll do it with the rod of iron. And please note, this is only one phase of his eternal reign, because at the end of the 1,000 years, the 1,000-year millennial reign, that's very uh, very clear there. It is a 1,000-year millennial reign. Satan's going to be loosed at the end of that, because we know at the end of the Battle of the Armageddon, he's going to be bound in the bottomless pit. At the end of that 1,000 years, he's going to be loosed. He'll go out and deceive the nations. Then there'll be the battle of Gog and Magog. But please note, Jesus will continue to reign for all eternity. So Dr. DuPont, I want to turn it over to you now. Um, if you would talk to us a little bit uh, about uh, the, the rod of iron there. Absolutely. When you look at this, um, and it has to be looked at and has to be understood, uh, scripture, as, as you're saying there, bringing in, Psalms 2 and verse number 9, this has to be rightly divided because what you have uh, with Revelation chapter number 12 is what we refer to as the law of recurrence. This is actually going back over um, almost the entirety of history. And what I mean by that is when we look back, we see uh, the, the woman there again being pronounced as Israel. We see the dragon there trying to stop the birth uh, of Christ. We see him being called up to God, speaking of the ascension uh, in verse number 5. And then Again, when he comes back the second time, him ruling with a rod of iron, that this is there are distinctions in each one of those. We understand very clearly, and we have to understand that there is a, a vast difference between the first coming of Christ as the sacrificial lamb and the second coming of Christ as the sovereign Lord. Uh, two completely different times that are taking place there, two completely different occurrences. The one, he came to pay the sin debt. Set the, the second time, he comes to rule and reign, as you were talking about already. And when we're looking at that, to understand this timeline, we have to understand 
what is taking place right here. When you go in between verses five and six, between the ascension of Christ in verse five and the woman fleeing there, there is the, the gap there, the church period, the church age that takes place. When Christ comes back to rule with a rod of iron, what he is doing is he is going to set at peace. Now, let's again, understanding this in perspective, for the first part of that tribulation, and really at the end when Christ comes back towards the end of the tribulation there, when he comes back towards the end of the seven years, what has taken place there is you have had an antichrist that has come and has tried to assert himself in a place that doesn't belong to him. He's tried to take the authority that belongs only to Christ. He is accepted, uh, widely accepted, because in the beginning he brings a false peace treaty. He allows, and he is able to do as a political leader what no other leader has done before, and that is bring a false peace treaty between uh, the, the, the Jews in the Middle East there, something that, I mean, it's, it's been a constant battle uh, that has gone on over there, um, really for, for all of history that we can think back on, and he'll bring that false peace. But when he comes, uh, and uh, after, a, after that first three and a half years, after that first uh, half of the tribulation, he breaks that peace treaty, he breaks that, uh, that false treaty there, and there is great persecution to the Jews there. There's great persecution to, as we look at Israel, the woman there, uh, uh, speaking of her fleeing there, him trying to swallow her up uh, by a flood, uh, a mass judgment, excuse me, a mass judgment. And had it not been for God protecting and providing uh, her a place to go, she would have been consumed. When we look at that very fact, um, and, and I'll touch on this for just a, a brief moment, when we look at the, the, the fact of, Israel still standing as a nation today, you have to see the sovereignty of God behind that. No nation that has ever gone through that persecution, not, you, you think of the, the four Gentile world powers, you look at Babylon, you look at uh, Medo-Persia, you look at uh, uh, Greece and Rome there. These four world powers were, were far, far bigger, uh, much more vast than Israel is. And yet Israel is still standing and all of these have been buried underground. That, again, just speaking of the sovereignty of God. Now, when Christ comes back, he will have to set straight uh, that, that battle. There will be those who are coming against his chosen people. When you speak about the battle of Armageddon, when you think about uh, the last revolt after the thousand year period, the, uh, two different uh, ascensions to, or two different attacks. When you look at those both times, there is a, a army that tries to come against God's people and God is going to protect them because he has promised to protect them. They will not come. So when he rules with a rod of iron, he is ruling those Gentile nations that have come against his people. He is setting things back right, uh, and he will rule and reign there. Israel will be regathered. They will, re they will finally possess the promised land uh, that was spoken to them, uh, both to Abraham and to David. When you look at those, uh, the Daviatic covenants in 2 Samuel chapter 7, you look at Genesis chapter 12, they will finally rule those things, and Christ will be the authority there there will not be a council there will not be anybody that overpowers him he won't have to answer to anyone as far as uh, any any type of, of group or uh, united nations christ will be sovereign in those things and sin will be judged uh, during that time and it will be judged very quickly and he will bring uh, peace to this earth that it has never known before um when you look at the the phrase peace there the bible speaks of three kinds of peace uh, you, you have the, the peace, uh, when you look at the, the peace of God, uh, excuse me, the peace with God being salvation, 
peace with him that that, that which was once broken being reunited the peace of god being fellowship uh being in that right unity with him but then you look at peace on earth now if i'm not mistaken the last time i looked this up the united nations since its establishment has had 6800 peace treaties every one of those peace treaties has been violated and broken there and that just goes to show you will never have peace apart from the prince of peace the very author of it and when he comes again when he rules with that rod of iron that iron there speaking of the sovereignty and the strength of god when he rules with that uh, that authority that belongs to him there will be none that are able to successfully come against him so you have the the tribulation here and uh right here in the 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 middle of the week you're you're about to get into the great tribulation um there in verse six it says and the woman fled into the wilderness where she hath a place prepared of god that they should feed her a thousand two hundred and three score days so i'll let you speak to this um but the one thing to understand about this during the great tribulation during the great tribulation excuse me the remnant of israel will be preserved by god now I hold the position. Um, some some people they're a little dogmatic with this, and they say uh, that this is the city of 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 Petra, Petra, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, we don't know exactly the place where it's going to be. Um, I, I feel that if we did, God would tell us. But think of it this way: um, the enemy can destroy something in many ways. Now, I mean, you can. There there are so many. There is. Uh, you know bombing there is um uh, different ways a, an enemy can can go in and in 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 warfare find out seek out and destroy so we don't know the exact location but we do know um that god's gonna protect his people so here in verse number six it says the woman fled into the wilderness and this is referring to when as as dr dupont just pointed out when the Antichrist, of course, Satan's um, um, wanting as hard as he can, trying to destroy um, Israel, um, there, the God is is gracious to them. This remnant here, and God has a place prepared for them, and that they should be taken care of there, which speaks of His His grace. But we don't know exactly where that's going to be. No, no. And again, there's you have people that have a very strong argument for uh, the city of Petra there, the 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 walled city being a very narrow entrance and being surrounded by stone. We understand that it, it's but when you look at it, um, when we're talking about God sovereignly protecting the, the nation of Israel, I have to remember and I'm, I'm reminded of the gospel accounts, all four gospel accounts where you see multiple times. The, the scripture says that they took up stones to stone him. They, they wanted to cast him out. Uh, they wanted to throw him over a cliff at one point. And Christ simply walked through the midst of them because it was not his time. You see there the sovereignty of God. He can protect the nation of Israel as openly, as, as easily in an open street as he could in a walled city. Um, what, what we see here and what the main focus is, is the fact that God is fulfilling his promise. For Israel to be consumed, if, if Israel was truly fully consumed as a nation, in order for that to happen, and I'm going to make a very bold statement here, and, and it's going to sound um, 
uh, again, this this may come off, but uh, just follow, just allow me to explain it, and, and it, I'll do my best to explain what I mean by this. But if God were to allow the nation of Israel to be consumed, then he would have to cease to be God. And what I mean by that is this. If God were to allow his people to be completely destroyed, then he would, in sense, have to break his own promise to them, multiple promises, again, both through the Abrahamic covenant and through the Daviatic covenant that is given there. He would have to break his own promise to them, and he would have to fail. And someone or something, some force, would have to be stronger than God in order to get him to do that. And he would, in, in one sense, as I said, he would truly have to cease to be God if he broke his own promise. That, that is how secure the nation of Israel is. I think about, if I can give you an example, um, in the Old Testament, as far as typology, Noah in the ark. Noah is a picture, uh, though it is also, it's, it's a beautiful type of salvation. It is also a picture of the Jewish remnant that is protected during the tribulation period. But when you look at the flood there, Noah, when he was told to come, when he was told to board the ark, God did not tell Noah to go into the ark or to get onto the ark. God said, come into the ark. Sp speaking of the fact that he was inside, God himself was inside that ark. Now, when you look at that from a typology standpoint, okay, the same way uh, if Israel were to be consumed, it, it would be the same comparison as if saying that that storm that god had sent that god had ordained the flood that god had ordained that flood would have to be stronger than the very god who sent it and limited it and set the time parameter for it uh, in order to sink that ark the same truth holds for the nation of israel in order for them to be consumed that enemy and the sovereignty of god would have to be violated and that enemy would have to be stronger than god himself and and we just know we know that's not going to happen there's nothing uh, one of the biggest misconceptions um, among, I want to say, not only among a lost person, but among a very, if I can use the phrase, a carnal Christian or a very immature Christian, is that they have a misconception that Satan is down ruling in hell and God is up ruling in heaven and they kind of meet in the middle and have battles and God wins some and, and Satan wins others. And, and I've, I've seen people that have put up little signs and post little things. And then it says, well, uh, Satan may be minute, winning a lot of the little battles, but don't worry, God's going to win the war. You know, that all that sounds good, but it's dead wrong when you look at scripture because we are looking at a sovereign God. We are looking at a God who has never lost, not the smallest of battles, who never, never will lose a battle. He's never one time been defeated or upended by Satan or any force that Satan could bring against never been defeated by any demonic army there. He is sovereign over all these things. This is the very God who sets the limitations. He told Job, uh, he told Satan when, when dealing with Job, he said, you can touch his family. Don't touch him. You can touch him. Don't, but spare his life. There was a line spiritually drawn in the sand that Satan was not to cross. And he still can't cross those things. Demons still quake at the Lord Jesus Christ. They believe and tremble. There is no time in which the sovereignty of God is ever in jeopardy or ever in question or ever in, in doubt there. God here is in control of all these things. And he says very clearly that he will protect his people. He will protect Israel and he will restore them and regather them. So with that said, it doesn't matter if they, like I said, to be, if you're going to be dogmatic on something on, on this six, section of scripture here, 
I personally would not be so dogmatic saying, well, it's got to be the city of Petra. It's got to be this place. I would be dogmatic on the fact that it is going to be God who protects them. And there's nothing that can, that can be done to, to assert authority over that. Absolutely. And for those of you listening who have not uh, caught the, the episode previous where we go into a little more detail, I, I did mention it during the introduction. So you got that part of it. Um, but there is just a further evidence when you compare scripture with scripture that this woman mentioned here, because uh, we're being very, we are being extremely dogmatic in this podcast that this woman is Israel, and we hold that to scripture. Uh, scripture is very clear on that. But further evidence that this is not the church, the woman is not the church, or the woman is not the Virgin Mary. So if you look in verses five and six, um, in between those verses, that is the church age. And you're, you're looking at a completely just skipping over that. You're, you're going from the ascension of Christ straight to uh, now we're talking about Israel fleeing from the Antichrist. Well, that is just even more uh, evidence that this is not this, this is not the church. This is, in fact, the nation Israel. And, and even more um, evidence that this is not the Virgin Mary is because um, where does this woman flee to? She, she does not um, flee to Egypt. She flees to where? The wilderness. So this, is, this all points back uh, to, to the nation Israel. And so we, we've dealt with um, of, of the, the different, the seven personages there. We, we've looked at the woman, Israel. We've looked at the, the red dragon, Satan. We've looked at the child uh, who will reign with the rod of iron, Jesus Christ. So now um, let's look at the fourth character. And this is really, this is going to be the title of, of, of this certain episode. It'll probably be one of the main reasons a lot of people listen to this, because this is a, a very interesting verse in scripture and we both hold the same position and we have scripture to back that up of course but let's go ahead and let's read verse number seven and there was war in heaven michael and his angels fought against the dragon and the dragon fought in his angels and prevailed not neither was their place found anymore in heaven and the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent, called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. So now we're at the war in heaven. So I hold the position here. I believe scripture uh, backs this up, uh, and, and this is the main reason I hold this, is for scripture is not nothing to do with my opinion. But I hold the position that this is future. This is not going back. This is not um, John speaking of the great tribulation, taking a time out and now going all the way back to, to um, Lucifer's fall and so forth. I, I don't believe that. This is future. So let's take a note of, of a few things. Job t chapter 2, verse number 2, And the Lord said unto Satan, from whence comest thou? And Satan answered the Lord and said, 
from going to and fro in the earth and from walking up and down in it. Now let me quote Zechariah 3, 1 and 2. There's not a lot of scripture here, so please stay with me. And he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand to resist him. And the Lord said unto Satan, The Lord rebuked thee, O Satan. Even the Lord that hath chosen Jerusalem rebuked thee. Is not this a brand plucked out of the fire? So just a couple things. I'm going to give it over to Dr. DuPont. Number one, Satan has passage into heaven. He's the accuser of the brethren. He has access and he can communicate with God. And we know this from reading the book of Job. Michael the archangel has a ministry with Israel. He's connected with them throughout all of scripture. And we read that there's going to be a very fierce struggle between Michael the archangel and Satan and that Michael will prevail. Obviously, Satan's not going to go down without a fight, but him and his angels will be thrown out of heaven. But we hold to the position that this is not past, but this is actually future. And there's some very key reasons why. Um, and Dr. DuPont, I'll, I'll let you speak to some of this. Well, one of the things that you look at, again, using comparing scripture with scripture. And again, I think this is another um, distinct mark of the sovereignty of God. Giving reference, when you look at Michael, the archangel, who is going to be the one that casts Satan out there, uh, Michael is, is a mighty angel. He is a, a warrior angel, so to speak there. Most Bible scholars believe him as far and, and studying uh, angelology or demonology doctrines of, of scripture there. You look and you see that it is very much set up in a uh, military type system. There are ranks. There are different positions. Uh, there are different purposes uh, for those angels and, and their strength and their abilities. Michael, um, most believe Michael to be the um, highest ranking angel as far as uh, of creation uh, that is still in heaven. Lucifer originally held that standpoint and was uh, cast out with Lucifer, even as, as Satan still holds a tremendous amount of power. Now, looking at this, when we look at this, one of the key indicators that this is still a future battle, we can look over and we can see in Jude verse number nine, the Bible says, yet Michael, the archangel, when contending with the devil, disputed and uh, he disputed about the body of Moses, durst not bring against him any rallying accusation, but said, the Lord rebuked thee. Now, here is Michael in a different instance, in a different time, that is in a um, conflict with Satan there. And he it, it said very clearly that in, a, uh, in an act of understanding of the power and a, re a recognition of the power of Satan, he doesn't even bring a rallying accusation against him. He doesn't come and fight him at that time because it is not the time that God has appointed there. There is a sovereign time. There is a specific time that God has to give the ability and to give the victory uh, to Michael and to those angels there. And we see that yet again to be a future time. Now, this coincides, Satan being cast out of heaven there, being locked out of heaven. This coincides with the ushering in or the beginning, the, the starting time of the back half of the tribulation there being the great tribulation, that time of great persecution that we see here. And it is because when we see that he is cast out, Satan knows that his time is short. He understands that all that has been prophesied is coming about, that his time of, of 
being the prince of the power of the air, the god of this world or world system is coming to an end and that he is going to be damned. He is going to be condemned to an eternal lake of fire uh, very shortly after that. And he looks here and in such anger and indignation, he begins once he is cast out to persecute the nation of Israel uh, like they have never been persecuted uh, into this point. Now that's saying something because we are familiar with the Holocaust. We're familiar with several other things that have happened throughout history that have been a tremendous persecution to the Jews there. Now, when we look at that and we see, again, the coinciding, and matter of fact, we can read on just a couple of verses uh, when it tells us in Revelation chapter number 12, and we look on there and it says, and the dragon saw that he was cast to the earth there and he persecuted the woman which brought forth the man child, verse 13. And it says the woman were given uh, two wings of a great eagle, again, speaking of, of God's sovereignty, of his deity, his power, uh, protection, giving them grace in the wilderness. And it goes on at the end of that verse, it says, and she was nourished for a time and times and a half a time from the face of the serpent, a time being one year, times being two years, and then a half a time adding those together. That's three and a half years. They're speaking of that back half of the tribulation, which is still yet a future occurrence. So there is so much evidence that we can look at that tells us that this has not yet happened. And this, what, what you're referring to, this is now known as the time of Jacob's trouble. And yes. Again, compare scripture with scripture. Satan knows he has a short time. He knows that Christ came from this nation. Um, Satan knows that he, I mean, he absolutely hates it. He's going to try to destroy destroy and the wings of an eagle there um that is not referring to an airplane some even go as far to say that that this is is referring to america that that america is going to come to the aid of israel what this is referring to exodus 19 4 ye have seen what i did unto the egyptians and how i bear you on eagles wings and brought you unto myself who is he talking to he's talking to israel okay this is the grace of God. This is a picture. This is a, this is God's grace. This is God's taking care of this this remnant here. And this is, of course, we're talking about the the seven characters, the seven personages. Okay, so we've looked at the woman. We've looked at Satan. We've looked at, at Christ. We've looked at Michael. That's four. Now we come to number five, and this is the Jewish remnant another reason why why we can prove that this is not the church because there's going to be a remnant all right when the church is caught out the day of christ the rapture when we are caught out of this world a uh, great book to read Doc, dr h.a ironside not wrath but rapture this is a pre-trib view it's very scriptural. It's easy to understand. I would highly, highly, highly recommend that book. It is phenomenal. Just within explaining the pre-tribulation viewpoint and showing that it is scriptural. When the church is caught out, when we are raptured out of this world, the Holy Spirit's going with us. We're indwelt with him. We're going out of this world. There is no remnant. There is no remnant of the church that stays around. Now, will there be tribulation saints? Yes, the Bible clearly teaches that, but that's not the church. The church is gone. 
So referring to this, this woman here, which is the nation of, of Israel, uh, there will be a remnant and God will show grace and, and there, there will be deliverance for this remnant. And as Dr. DuPont was talking about uh, the, the war of heaven there, this will be the first great demonstration of power taken against evil after the death and resurre resurrection of Jesus Christ. And this is going to set things in motion for Jesus Christ to come back and to rule and to reign over the entire world. So we're, we're getting very close here. We got five of them. We're starting the, the last three and a half years. We're going to look at the Antichrist, and then we're also going to look at the false prophet. Those are the last two characters, and then we're going to get in the last three and a half years. But before, before I uh, go into conclusion here, Dr. DuPont, do you have anything else about this subject you want to add? No, sir. I, I believe we, we pretty much summed it up without jumping too far ahead of ourselves. Absolutely. And, and as always, Dr. DuPont, I really appreciate you coming on and had a lot of fun with you um, going through this scripture. Yes, sir. Like I said, it's, it's always a privilege to be on. I appreciate you inviting me. Well, until next time, I appreciate you listening. Uh, please send us your questions. Uh, let us know specifically this subject, obviously, if you, if you have a question about it. A lot of the questions that have been sent in is going to be answered on our next podcast. And that has to do with the Antichrist. That's just, that seems to be one of the top questions that people have and they want to know about uh, regarding the Antichrist. So um, on behalf of Dr. Brandon DuPont, this is Brother Dean Carmichael. Until next time, may the Lord bless you. Thanks for listening to the Questions and Answers podcast with Dean Carmichael, Jr. Now, you can email your Bible questions to Q-A-B-I-B-L-E at Outlook.com. That's Q as in question, A as in answer, B-I-B-L-E at Outlook.com.